I think work-life balance is indeed possible and achievable, but it takes intention. You have to be intentional about it. You're listening to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast with leadership speaker and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. My name is Nicole Greer. They call me the Vibrant Coach, and I am delighted to be here today with none other than Jeff Brown. So I got a bio that is this long, but I'm not going to read the whole thing, but but we're going to get some highlights because the deal is he's super impressive. Jeff is an award-winning radio producer and personality and a former nationally syndicated morning show host. Wait till you hear his voice. You'll know why. Following a 26-year career in radio, Jeff went boss-free. Write that down. I think that's fantastic. He went boss-free. He's an entrepreneur in 2013. And soon after that, he launched the Read to Lead podcast. So go ahead and get out there and get subscribed to that immediately. Mm. It has gone on to become the four-time Best Business Podcast nominee and has featured Jeff's interviews with today's best business and nonfiction authors. Okay, so listen to these people he hangs out with. It's very impressive. Alan Alda, those of you who are over 50 know about MASH. Uh, There's Stephen Covey. Everybody knows about Stephen Covey because he lives on. Seth Godin, a marketing guru, John Maxwell, leadership guru, Liz Wiseman, uh, also leadership guru, and Dr. Henry Cloud, who can teach you how to uh, get your boundaries in place. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Simon Sinek, oh my gosh, Brian Tracy, Nancy Duarte, which she is the queen of the slides, (laughs) and over 300 more. And he coaches successful podcasters and is a leader, obviously, in his field. So, Round of applause for Jeff. We're so glad you're here. Well, thank you for having me, Nicole. The thing I think that impressed me most about what you just did was you actually correctly pronounced all of those names. <laughs> oh, right. Good. Well, they, they, these people are on my, you know, my list of people I want to meet someday. Mm. And of course, I've read a lot of their books and watched their right. videos and all that um, because I am just a leadership nut. Mm. Uh, but let's start with the first question. Since you're you're a leader, you've worked with all these amazing authors and speakers. How, how do you define leadership, Jeff? Well, for me, it used to be, because this is what was modeled for me, it used to be uh, command and control type leadership when I was younger, because that's all I knew. That's all I was surrounded by. And so, um, you know, your job was just to do what the leader said uh, and to do it the way the leader said to do it. And it wasn't necessarily come and share your ideas because the leader was already the smartest person and knew everything. So you were just, you know, the cog and you just did whatever you were told. But, but since then, uh, I have learned that leadership, uh, and I'm, I'm a particular fan of servant leadership, but that leadership is helpful. Leadership extends grace. Leadership uh, defaults uh, to trust. One of my favorite leaders uh, extended trust by default uh, and, and only uh, took it away if you gave him a reason not to trust, right? Uh, and, and so to me, those, those three things, grace, trust, um, a helpful uh, nature. Your your job is essentially as a leader uh, is is to make sure that your people have what they need to do what you've tasked them to do. Uh, and like Liz uh, Weissman says um, in her book Multipliers, you mentioned her name a moment ago. Learn how to leverage the collective brain power in the room. You're you're not supposed to be the one with all the answers. Uh, you've presumably hired people much smarter than you, at least in the areas of expertise you hired them for. 
And so, so don't be afraid to leverage that. Don't be intimidated by that. Um, learn to, to make it your, your, your company's, your organization's superpower. Mm, I love that. So I just, I like where you landed. You said leadership is almost a superpower, uh, which I love. And you also said grace, trust, help, get your people resourced. And then uh, I love Liz's book. It's right there on that shelf right there. Um, And I use it all the time with clients. Uh, And you said leverage the collective brain power. Mm, That is beautiful. I love that definition. (laughs) Well, today, uh, leaders are challenged every which way. It is an interesting time. I know people are tired of talking about COVID, but I think the real true leaders are they're coming to the the forefront because we really need lead now. So, so tell me, Jeff, what do you think leaders need to do in terms of skills? What, what skills should they build or put in their toolbox? Well, there's three in my estimation. And the first one I alluded to just a moment ago, and that's uh, kind of got ahead of myself a little bit, but trust those you lead to do what you hired them uh, to do. And I think when you do that, that level of trust is going to motivate your team to want to honor it the best that they can. I think it's also going to make them feel safe in seeking your advice and help when, when struggles uh, do arise. Uh, and, and the question often becomes, are there going to be the occasional bad eggs that try to take advantage of that trust? Well, that might happen from time to time, but it's going to be rare. And when it does, I think they're going to be easily and quickly identified. And as a result, they're not going to be hanging around very long to do much damage. Uh, the second thing is uh, don't ask of your team uh, what you aren't willing to do yourself. And I'm not talking about the delegation of things that you'd prefer not to do for whatever reason, many of them perfectly legitimate, but rather those sort of all hands on deck type moments. Chances are uh, someone listening has worked for someone where all hands on deck means everybody but the boss. Uh, but uh, sometimes it's necessary to get your own hands dirty, sometimes literally if the situation presents the opportunity. And I think if you want to endear yourself to your team fast, show them that you're not above when appropriate doing, quote unquote, their work. And then thirdly is, is look for ways to, to spread the, the credit and take the blame if, if appropriate. When a project goes well, intentionally and publicly identify specific ways each team member played a role, but also be prepared for team members that aren't comfortable with that. Maybe they prefer a, a note in private of, you know, of a pat on the back. Some folks might be embarrassed by being put on the spot like that. At the same time, if results are less than favorable, be willing to admit if and when you could have recognized as the leader potential problems sooner. Uh, don't be afraid to share your thoughts, you know, openly, again, if appropriate, and humbly with your team. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that others are off the hook necessarily, uh, but, but neither are you. And one of my favorite uh, bosses, uh, Matt, uh, who uh, was the guy who led uh, the team at the last radio station uh, I worked for, he wasn't any more perfect than any of the rest of us. But unlike some other leaders I've witnessed, he wasn't afraid to admit or share when appropriate his own missteps. And because of this, um, we felt like we were seeing the real man 100% of the time, not some persona, but who he really was, sometimes words and all, you know, and, and that just made us appreciate him even more. Mm, I love that. And, you know, when I think about the things that you're talking about, um, their skills, but there, it's also like you're talking about like a, a leader that has great character. You know, like they're, yeah, so there's just this great character inside of them, you know, that they, they trust, which leads to other good character, which you said was honor. I just, I think it does, it kind of dovetails or snowballs, right? You got a great leader, you get a great team. So I love that. So what do you believe makes some leaders more successful than others? Why do some struggle so much? 
Yeah, I think oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes leaders who struggle, struggle in part because their lives are oriented around a single domain and that domain being work rather than recognizing that life is made up of of, uh, you know, several domains. There's the physical, there's the marital, there's uh, financial, uh, spiritual, intellectual, emotional, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, many of us, especially high achievers, uh, can can want to, uh, by default, sort of orient uh, life around work and to the, to the neglect of some of these other, other um, domains. And when those domains, many of them on the, on the personal side of life, are not in order, when those are out of whack, Good luck, good luck trying to be, you know, an effective uh, leader. So I think, you know, we talk about things like work-life balance. Some people more recently have suggested that there is no such thing. You know, that it's it's more of a, a sway or whatever you, a word you want to use. I think work-life balance is indeed possible and achievable, but it takes intention. You have to be intentional about it. You have to spend your time, let's say, on paper first, much like you do a budget, right? You, you put You spend your money on paper first so that you don't get to the end of the month and wonder where it all went, right? Well, it's the same with our time. Spend your time on paper first so you're telling your time where to go instead of wondering where it went. And, and another uh, sort of tidbit related to that I would give when it comes to all domains of life, work and otherwise, uh, we often, uh, because we want to be helpful, we, we often default to yes when requests on our time come in. And if, we, if we're going to say no, we feel like we then have to defend that no. No can be a complete sentence. But uh, more importantly than that, I think we should be doing just the opposite. We should be defaulting to no and defending yes to ourselves if we are indeed going to say yes. Um, I use uh, something called uh, that I learned from a mentor of mine named Michael Hyatt called an ideal week. And so I have a spreadsheet that has the entire week mapped out uh, like a, a, the perfect week, like what a perfect week would look like. And so when I go to plan any given week, that's where I begin. Now, I'll admit that most of the time I don't hit that ideal, but if I haven't identified it, I'm not even going to get close. And so I start by identifying what the ideal work looks like and then, and then plan uh, for that. And I get a lot closer to it uh, more times than not. Mm, I love it. I love it. And so uh, I think the name Michael Hyatt needs some attention. He is a fabulous, fabulous mm. uh, speaker, author, uh, coach. So uh, definitely go check out Michael Hyatt. I bet you he has like some freebies on his website, much like I know you do, Jeff. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I love what you said. I got to tell my time where to go instead of wondering where it went. Mm -hmm. That was like, that's tweetable, everybody. <laughs> so I love that. I totally love it. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so I agree. Uh, leaders definitely have to get their idea about what's ideal in their life, and they do have to have some balance for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. So what are the biggest challenges for leaders going forward? You know, what, what do leaders need to focus on, do you think? Like if we put you in the, the seat of futurist, what mm -hmm. do you see out there? What do leaders need to be doing? Well, you mentioned COVID earlier. I think a lot of leaders and a lot of companies are realizing that um, if they do indeed go back to coming to the office, many of them are in a place where uh, they're either going to need to make that optional or have an option where, you know, maybe it's part time in the office and part time at home and sort of this whole idea of working remotely. Uh, for part or all the time is, is something that so many companies and organizations have been forced into. And, and what I would say is, and I've seen this happen, and it's really, I think, condescending to your staff. Uh, when, you, when you get into a place of 
trying to track all the hours and make making sure when people are working remotely that they're you're working as many hours as you think they should be and things of that nature. Instead, focus and concern yourself uh, with results. Uh, we were talking about Michael Hyatt a minute ago. I interviewed uh, uh, Megan Hyatt Miller, his eldest daughter, who is now the CEO of Michael Hyatt and Company. And they've got a new book coming out. And she was telling me that uh, near the beginning of COVID, they began experimenting with something that they wanted to try out anyway, but COVID kind of forced it on them. And that was six-hour workdays. Uh, and COVID sort of necessitated that because, you know, many of their employees are parents and they're having to deal with kids not being in school and all the mess that's associated with that that we all know so well. <laughs> and so they went to six-hour workdays. Now, uh, I believe I'm quoting her correctly when I say this. By the end of 2020, they had exceeded their revenue goals for the year by 50% after cutting hours by 25% from eight down to six every day. That's so think incredible. about that. So, so the research shows that, you know, after, you know, there's those, those people who are going to, again, put the focus of, of, of the work domain uh, and, and to the neglect of some of these other domains. Um, the, the research shows that after 50 hours, any, any um, productivity is negligible. In fact, uh, no, no more productivity comes out of 70 hours versus 50 hours. And, and similar research shows that as you begin to back away from 50 hours and you get closer to less than 40, productivity actually goes up. And, and, and Megan's uh, results from last year, Megan and Michael's results from last year, prove that that's actually the case. Yeah, well, it just makes makes perfect sense if we slow down for a minute, because if I get good and rested, when I come back to my desk and sit mm -hmm. down, I get ready to make it happen, right? Mm -hmm. But if I yeah. sit down, I'm fatigued, I'm thinking about what should I do? I don't want to do anything. You spend 20 minutes debating what to do. <laughs> so I love that. Absolutely love that. Well, you've got just this really great laundry list of people that have been on your show. And so I'm curious, what what leadership read? Uh, I don't want you to offend any of your, your guests, but like when you think about uh, the, the greatest leadership books that you've read, um, because your, your podcast again is Read mm. to Lead, what, what books do you just like, these are my standouts. Yeah, Liz Weissman's Multipliers is one of them. You mentioned that book is on your shelf. Uh, that, that book, yeah. she talks about the multiplier leader versus the diminisher type leader. That was, that was uh, revelatory for, for me. Uh, I'm a big fan of Michael Hyatt's work. Uh, Seth Godin is probably my single favorite interview ever. I've had the chance to interview him twice. So, so Lynchpins uh, was a big one for me that he wrote several uh, years ago. He's he's writing on the on pace of about a book every couple of three years. So, any of his 18 or 20 books are certainly worth your worth your time. Um, I love John Maxwell's work, and then more recently, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear, which came out in 2018, and, and a similarly themed book, Tiny Habits by Dr. B.J. Fogg from, from Stanford University. All those have, have, have been some of my favorites from the last, uh, those last two from the last couple of years. Yeah, fantastic. All right, so tell me about the, the, the greatest leadership story you've been told. Is there a story that you can recall that's been shared with you that made a big impact, something you heard about a great leader, what they did and how they led their team? Do you have a, a particular story that you like? Well, let me think here. I can, I can, I can think of one in particular that's a personal uh, story, and I think back to yes. uh, my favorite radio job. Uh, the last one that I worked, I was at this radio station in Nashville for about thirteen or fourteen years, and uh, the, one of the things I loved about that culture 
is that culture there, unlike any other radio station that I ever worked for, which is very cutthroat most of the time. It's very much a what have you done for me lately type of mentality at a lot of places. But at this one, it was very much, um, yeah, it was kind of a Debbie Downer moment. There wasn't. But at this particular (laughs) radio station, it it was very much a culture of uh, leveraging the collective brain power of the room. So when I became sort of a a voracious reader uh, during my early years at that company, I began reading things uh, that would help me be better at my job. Social media had begun to spring up and I looked at things like Facebook and Twitter and and, and other social media platforms and thought to myself, how is this going to impact what we do? How can we leverage these tools? So I been, uh, began reading books about those things. Um, and then as I tried things and things uh, became successful, sometimes, sometimes not. Funny thing is the things that weren't so successful were quickly forgotten. The things that were successful, I, I began getting questions about. And then that led to uh, uh, being asked to present on these topics to different factions, all because I was reading books uh, on these on these topics. Um, and that eventually led to giving a presentation to the executive team, to the president of this you know nationwide uh, company, because he had looked at this time, was looking ahead to his his vision for the next 10 years. And he was, like a good leader does, visiting individual radio stations and asking for input. And so my boss said to me, you're going to be the guy who represents our station when the president comes and 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 give your thoughts on where you think that the company needs to go uh, as far as Nashville is concerned over the next uh, 10 years. And so I had that opportunity pres- to present to him. And then when it came time for him to create his own uh, presentation to the world and to the staff about here's my vision for the next 10 years, he came to me and said, I want you to be the guy who takes my thoughts and ideas and puts them in presentation form. I've seen your presentations. I've seen what you can do. I want you to create that for me. And so through all the reading I was doing, reading about social media, reading about um, how to leverage these tools, reading about how to do great presentations from the likes of Nancy Duarte and others, uh, reading how to how to create uh, a compelling presentation. All this reading I was doing led to one thing after another, after another, after, after another, to the point that one guy in a, in, a, in a team of a couple hundred people is being invited to do these different things. But it all goes back to intentional and consistent reading and pouring into myself on, on a, on a habitual uh, basis. Yeah. I love that story. And um, one thing that, that I tell almost on every podcast that I do is we talk about leadership, but inevitably the guest on the show says, well, this is the book that I got this from. This is the book that I read. This is where I picked this up. And so right. you, ha- <laughs> you you do have to, and don't miss this, literally, literally, you have to read to lead. And so it just puts you one leg up ab- above everybody, as you said, out of a group of 100. Um, and when you were talking, I heard a couple of habits. And one of the things that I always like to look at is habits. And you mentioned two books that are excellent earlier about habits. Uh, but you said, you know, getting input and then being able to cast a vision and then present it in a powerful way. I think those are three huge <laughs> skills, habits, whatever you want to call them, that leaders need to have. So I, I want to go off the board for 20 points and ask you more about habits, um, since you're a big fan of that subject matter and you are an entrepreneur yourself several of my listeners are entrepreneurs what do you think uh, are the habits that are making you so successful Jeff what do you do on the daily yeah and 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 for me that has come from uh, sort of curating what I've learned from these 
nearly 400 authors now that I've interviewed. And I have found that there are uh, five things that nearly all these people have in common. Um, And uh, here's those five things. One of them I've mentioned, so I'll be brief on that one. But um, uh, each of these five things, by the way, spell the word dream. So if you want to realize your biggest dreams and your highest priorities, I think you need to do these five things. Uh, The first one is to daily invite discomfort into your life. That's the D. What do I mean by that? I mean, lean into fear. Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt once said, do one thing that scares you every single day. What, what happens when we lean into fear? It's, it's scary, but as soon as we've done that thing, what often happens is we want to do it again. I remember the first time I got on a roller coaster, I was scared to death, but as soon as I got off, I couldn't wait to get back in line and ride the thing all over again. And, and that's the beauty of, of discomfort is it pulls us outside of our comfort zone and encourages, to do, encourages us to do things that, uh, that uh, were once difficult but become easier over time. And so, to me, that's the, just the only way to live life is outside your comfort zone. So, invite discomfort is number one. Two is to habitualize reading. We already spent plenty of time talking about <laughs> that. Enough said there. Uh, number I three, audit your energy. That's the E. Um, by this, I mean, look at, uh, look at your calendar. Consider a digital calendar uh, in tandem with an analog planner like I do. And on your digital calendar, I, I have tried color coding my calendars in numerous ways that just didn't work for me. But the one way that does is to color code my activities by energy. What on my calendar gives me energy? And, and do an audit, you know, about every three or so months. What on my calendar uh, zaps my energy? What on my calendar am I sort of indifferent about? And give each one of those energy types a color. For me, things that give me energy are green. Things that zap my energy are red. Things I'm indifferent about is orange. Do an audit and, and look at how things are lining up. Is there a lot of red? If so, what can you do to change that? Can you bring a little orange into something that's red? Can you take something that's red and make it a little more green? Um, you know, when I first did this uh, just a few months back, I was delighted to see a lot of green, but that uh, wasn't an overnight thing. It took time uh, to get there. The A is to welcome on a regular basis accountability. I think it's important to um, have a group of, of people you trust, sort of a, a board of directors, if you will, uh, unofficial board of directors that you meet with on a regular basis, if not weekly, then maybe biweekly or monthly. Each of you pouring into one another's life. Think mastermind group. That's a sort of a great example of something like this, where you're encouraging one another, you're challenging uh, one another, you're holding uh, each other's feet to the fire to make sure you're doing the things you say you're going to do in your personal and, and professional life. And the M, the last one, is to dominate mornings. I've got a, a morning ritual that I go through every day. This is different depending on you know your season in life or how much time you can commit to it is going to depend on your season in life. But I'm at a place where I dedicate three, three and a half hours to my morning ritual. It starts at five, ends at about 8.30 on most days. And there are a, sort of a smorgasbord of things I might do during that time. I used to think I had to do all the things and it was very regimented <laughs> as to when things happened. But now I look at all the things I uh, could do to start my day to pour into me, to, you know, self-care type things. What are all the things I could do? Which uh, among those things do I want to do this morning, today? And so I focus on those. And tomorrow it may be different, but I've, I've identified a list of things from which to choose. So I'm not starting with a blank slate. So invite discomfort. That's the D. Habitualize reading, audit your energy, welcome accountability, and dominate uh, mornings. Now, if you want to go into more detail on that, um, I have actually put together just for your listeners a short ebook Ooh. that outlines each of those more specifically. So you just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash vibrant 
and you can get uh, the uh, uh, written uh, summary of that uh, for free. That is fantastic. Okay, we'll put that up on the screen for sure. I love that. And so I have one final question for you, Jeff. Um, you know, there's somebody out there listening right now, and uh, let's pretend that you are mentoring this single special listener, uh, and you're going to give them like one more piece of advice uh, so that they could lead vibrantly. What would you give them? I would ask them to audit their own life. And this is similar to what I was saying a moment ago, but audit their own life and, and determine whether or not they are taking time in the beginning of the day for that self-care uh, time I talked about a moment ago. If those listening are like I used to be, uh, you know, you got up, your alarm goes off with enough time for you to shower and get dressed and, and grab something to eat real quick and get out the door. I did that for decades and only in the last seven or eight years have I changed my uh, my mode around mornings and making sure that before I get out the door, I've spent at least an hour, if not more time, on just pouring into me, doing uh, you know writing in a gratitude journal, uh, exercise, those types of things, rather than just rushing out the door. And I think if you'll take time to do that, it's kind of like you know the the flight attendants say, put your own mask on first before putting on somebody else's. So many of us start our days not having done those things and we wonder why we're tired or we're irritable or whatever. It's because we haven't taken time oftentimes to pour into ourselves first. So, so that would be my single piece of advice. Yeah, I, I totally love it. I, I have a quiet time every morning. I'm up at five in the morning as well. So I totally relate to that. Mm. And I have a stack of books that's big. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. my children walk in and they're like, are you reading all of those? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I got. I, I read a little here. I read a little there. It's like kind of whatever mood I wake up in is what I grab for. But uh, I absolutely adore that. And I know that the the listeners, uh, the special one that was just listening, plus everybody else who will listen to this podcast, has just absolutely gleaned some genius from you. So Jeff, we're so grateful. Uh, if people want to uh, get a hold of your podcast or get a hold of you personally, would you like to share how we contact you? Yeah, the website is readtoleadpodcast.com. And remember, for that free resource, just add forward slash vibrant after that if you want to check that out. So readtoleadpodcast.com. Uh, you know, you can uh, email me directly, jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. And uh, in August, at the end of August, I hope you'll check out a book I've got coming out called Read yeah. to Lead. The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career. So it's a book about making the most of, of your reading habit, how to make it a habit, how to uh, put what you read into practice, that sort of thing. And you can find out more about that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash book. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I am excited. I'm going to go get my uh, pre-order done on that immediately. So again, thank you so much for being on the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Jeff, have a great rest of your day. Thanks everybody for listening. Ready to up your leadership game? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her unique SHINE method to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Email speaking at vibrantcoaching.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at vibrantcoaching.com slash TED talk. 